1: Nicholas Gonda was recently named one of IndieWire's inaugural influencers, Variety's Ten Producers to Watch, and Details Magazine's Digital Mavericks for his work in the independent film industry. He is co-founder of Tug, a web platform that enables audiences to choose the films that play in their local theaters. He is also an independent film producer of several critically acclaimed films, including Terrence Malick's The Tree of Life, winner of the Palme d'Or at the 2011 Cannes Film Festival. And, Carol, I know you're a big fan of Nicholas and Tug.com.
2: Yes, all of us at From the Heart really love his organization. We think this Cinema on Demand is the hottest thing going, and we really thank you for joining us, Nick. Well,
0: oh, thank you so much, Claire and Carol. It's great to be on with you this morning.
2: Well, let's start with how Tug works.
0: Sure. So uh, as, as you mentioned, what we're doing is we're giving audiences the power of choice and the films that they want to see at their local theaters. And how we've done that is we've created a very wide network of movie theaters. So here in America, we have over 90% of the movie theaters in in our system so that includes everyone from AMC, Regal, Cinemark, all the way to local art houses uh, in big and small towns and we also have a catalog of content which is uh, comprised of everything from studios, films and libraries to independent filmmakers uh, and their films and then what we enable is a system where anybody anywhere can choose what film they want to see in their local theater. They select the film, they select their showtimes and their preferred theaters, and then we ultimately give them an event page with a ticking clock and a threshold. That threshold is the amount of tickets that need to be sold before that clock expires, and then that community is able to rally behind that event, and if that threshold is reached before that, that clock expires, that event will happen, and Tug takes care of all of the logistics and everything else so that that community can just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.
2: Okay, this is this is really very interesting. All right, so taking it from the standpoint of a filmmaker, uh, so I have a film, and um, at what point in production do I come to you? When I'm almost finished, in post, or, uh, how does it work?
0: Well, ultimately, the point where we will have a title added to the library is when the film is completed, and all the way to the point where it has a DCP, final, final trailer, artwork, and it's ready to be fulfilled and exploited in this theatrical marketplace. However, the mindset and the preparation that goes into making a, a, a film successful on TUG starts much, much earlier, all the way to the point of development through production and post-production, of course. And that is, you know, similar to other platforms that rely on direct-to-consumer mentalities and behaviors. It takes a very entrepreneurial filmmaking team to be fostering those relationships, thinking about the community around their film from the earliest stages. And those films that do that and those filmmakers that do that, we find to be the most successful on the platform.
2: All right. Nick, you are so right. And I teach this. We uh, we give classes here From the Heart because we are physical sponsors for filmmakers. And, um, uh, when I say they, they pitch me the film, they're just building a website, they're just getting started with social networking, and I say, okay, now the time to start building your audience. And they get very upset with me. How can I make sure. the film and build the audience? So I'm sure you run into this. How do you overcome that?
0: Uh, it's, a, it's a great question. And I think that same f- frustration would come if one didn't have a team to also tend to other responsibilities on a set, right? If if a director wasn't trained in camera, then they would be mystified by how to go about the day without their DP. Or if they also had to do all of the scheduling, uh, then they might get overwhelmed without an AD. And the same thing goes for all of the other great teammates that it takes to to achieve you know, a, a, a production. Granted, I know that a lot of us early on in our career have to do all of those jobs, but ultimately I think The peace of mind comes when you're able to delegate responsibilities to people who, chances are, might even be able to do that job better than you. And then as a result of that, you're able to have a really great team. And so I think that community building around film, your films, is is a responsibility that, that takes as much work as any other job on set, and it takes finding the right person to be able to carry out that responsibility and somebody who's going to be passionate about that. And fortunately today, community building and digital marketing and a lot of the fundamentals that go into what we're describing, there are a lot of people out there that love to do that. And there's a lot of young people that are still in school or out of school that would even be willing to do that, um, you know, as, as interns to help learn. So I think no matter where you are in your journey as a filmmaker, as long as you realize the need for this and then go about the process of finding people who can help you, uh, then you'll be, you know, very far along. And, and, and frankly, many of our most successful films uh, didn't have huge budgets to start, but they did have an appreciation for this job and found you know, ways to, to get it done.
2: Well, that's a great piece of information for us. Could you tell us about some of your successful films that were able to use crowdfunding or building, rather, building their crowd early on? Sure. Thinking of directing?
0: Yeah, most definitely. I'll tell you, I'll give you an example of of a film that's, uh, you know, right now using the platform in in such an extraordinary way and it's a a film called laser team and it's produced by the massive online community called rooster teeth Uh, and rooster teeth is is one of the uh, largest online communities today they built their community in very innovative ways and I I encourage you to uh, to do a a show just on them and just on how they've uh, come to be but ultimately what they've done is they've created an online community that has been a part of this film from the from the start. They were one of the record breakers on Indiegogo. They raised over $2 million uh, on their campaign. And then throughout the course of production, they earnestly engaged with those, with those followers, and they treated them as collaborators in the filmmaking process. And then when they got to the point where they are now, where the film has premiered at the festival in Toronto and a couple others, and now it's going to be released on January 27th, all of those people aren't just ticket buyers or aren't just consumers, they are partners in this film. And so we've launched uh, hundreds of event pages here in America, in Australia, New Zealand, Canada, uh, and and other countries are coming online as we speak throughout the coming weeks. And we're finding that there are people in, in this community that are taking these event pages, taking ownership of these event pages, and promoting them as their own events, not just events for the film or for the filmmakers. And so uh, you'll, 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 when that, that example or that trend is something that we see carry through any type of film that's been successful on our platform, whether it's uh, a science fiction comedy like Laser Team or a cause-based documentary uh, like um, Unbranded or Touch the Wall or many others that have had hundreds of events on Tug. It starts with the appreciation from the filmmakers of, all right, the ultimate ability to mobilize audiences is something that the audiences themselves can do much better than we can as, as filmmakers or marketers. And so it's an appreciation for that outreach early on so that you don't just, it's not just about what you're telling your audience or what you're sharing and posting, but able to listen what they care about too. And that's one of the greatest tools that, that, that exists now with social media is not just the ability to speak directly to your fans, but also to listen. And, uh, and, and each of the examples that we talked through today, uh, that's the red thread that connects all of them, are, are filmmakers that are constantly learning uh, and testing approaches, and then being able to modify their strategies in, in real time, which is something, especially when you look at theatrical distribution, that's a pretty new practice, in terms of, for, especially for independent filmmakers, to be that agile, that athletic, Um, you know, in in this space. Normally, it's been a very rigid, regimented, set it and forget it type of approach that, you know, you're spending more money than you're making. Uh, And now through tools like ours and others, we're able to see not just a financially profitable endeavor, but one where you're continuing to build community, able to listen and learn from your community and pivot in real time to be able to maximize your strategy. So I, I'm, I'd love to talk through more examples like those, but Laser Team uh, is, is, is definitely one coming uh, you know, into 2016 uh, that is um, you know, really championing these ideals uh, and setting a great example for, for other filmmakers to follow.
2: Well, Nick, did you have any idea when you first came up with this concept of uh, cinema on demand, did you have any idea it would go worldwide and be so well-received?
0: Well, I think that you know, the, the ideas behind Cinema on Demand came from problems that I was facing and colleagues of mine were facing in the distribution, in the world of distribution. So, for instance, Tree of Life, if you look at the Facebook page and social channels for that film, right around the time that we were fortunate to uh, be invited and ultimately win the top prize at Cannes, you'll see hundreds of people around the country in the U.S. very frustrated that the film wasn't coming to their town. And that was to no one's fault. We were fortunate to be with one of the best distributors in the business with Fox Searchlight. It was more about the systems that we use uh, versus the the, the people or the groups that are using them. And so it started with the, the realization that, all right, there's a problem that can be solved and there's an opportunity to solve it. And that's by annihilating the risk that normally makes people say no. And so in the case of theaters, they're usually operating at around a 15% utilization rate, which means that 85% of the time that they're open, their seats are empty. So for them to take any more risk would be unbearable, and we can all understand that. And then obviously for distributors, they're having to do so many different things and speculating if a life or a survey actually will equate to a ticket purchase and, and attendance is also you know, a very troublesome process. So it started with looking at those risks and thinking, all right, how do we annihilate those risks? And crowdsourcing, obviously, is a great way to do so. So for for theaters, they know that no less than X amount of people will attend. And then by way of those pre-sales, the distributor has all of their costs covered in order to say yes to that event as well. And then as a result of annihilating those risks, the audience has the power of choice. And then the onus is is on them to not just say, why isn't this film in this town, but to also be a part of the process of doing something about it. And what we found is that especially in this day and age, where it's so easy for passions and interests to be shared within communities, that that's actually a process people quite enjoy and don't necessarily think of it as work.
2: (laughs) You're right. No, you're talking to your audience. That's what you're making the film for. That's wonderful, I would think. Well... I love your website. It's got a lot of of great information for filmmakers and for audiences. But on there you have a section listing the tug advantage, and this says that you handle the operations, the logistics, and the customer service for screenings, and that really should make it very easy for filmmakers, right?
0: Definitely. I mean and, and also for audiences. What what we're what we're doing at, at its core is we're we're separating and decoupling marketing from distribution. So when you think about what a what a studio does at its core, they develop content, they physically distribute content, and they market and publicize that content. And so what we're doing is, is we're enabling a system where anybody anywhere can now take on the role of marketing. And as, as we were just talking about, you know, the, the most potent form of marketing now is what is generated from a community as opposed to plot down on a community. And, and as evidenced in, in a stat that a lot of people speak about, one word-of-mouth recommendation has the impact of over 200 paid advertisements. So that's ultimately now we're arming people with the tools to generate their own word-of-mouth, the most potent form of advertising. And then we're taking care of all of the logistics from ticketing, theater coordination, everything else, licensing, so that that doesn't become – the barrier for this activity to occur, which in the past it has. If you're a local community member and you call up your theater and say, I want to see this film, and even if they say yes, that's just the beginning of the, the journey of then coordinating with the distributor and everything else logistically. So what we're trying to do is essentially become the Airbnb of cinemas, where we take all of the friction out of the process for the, the core users, in this case the filmmakers, the audiences, so that this relationship and this interaction can be something that happens habitually and isn't thwarted by the pain points that one would normally encounter when they try to interact in this way.
2: This is wonderful. <clears throat> All right, well, uh, you and also on your website, it says that filmmakers can get 35% of the post-threshold revenue. Can you explain mm-hmm. that for us?
0: Sure. So first I'll explain how a threshold is determined and then how a post-threshold is as well. So as I mentioned, on TUG, any film can play in any theater so long as there's an audience that's there that wants to see it. And that's measured through a ticking clock and a threshold. That threshold is determined by five main factors. The content owner, whether that's a studio we're working with or an independent filmmaker, they set the minimum revenue requirement for them to approve that event. So that is something that, that could be different for every event or the same for every event. Whatever it is, this filmmaker sets that amount, and they know that they will generate no less than that amount of revenue or else the event won't happen. The theater inputs the same number or the same they, – they're able to set their same minimum, whatever that minimum is. And then that's added to the logistics costs, so shipping – Anything else logistically involved with, with producing that event that normally would fall on the, the shoulders of the filmmaker or the distributor, we're building that into the, to the economics of the event. And then on top of those three fixed costs, on top of the filmmaker's minimum revenue requirement, the feeder, and the logistics, then the promoter, so that could be the filmmaker or that could be a super fan in any town around the country, gets a 5% fee on top of that, and then Tug gets 20%. So when you add up all of those costs, you add up filmmaker, theater, logistics, promoter, and tug. Say that equals $1,000, and say the ticket price is $10. Then 1000 divided by 10, the threshold for that event would be 100 tickets. So once that 100th ticket is sold, credit cards are charged, the event is now confirmed, everybody's gotten their minimum that they set, and then every ticket sold above that, the content owner gets 35%. The theater gets 35 percent. The promoter continues to go at five percent, and then TUG goes to 25 percent. So if you add all of that up, that's 100 percent. So the filmmaker and the theater are making the most, and then the TUG and the promoter are making those other shares. And so that's that's how it works. And and for those that are uh, driving or, or not able to digest all of that right now, that's that's all on our site, um, on a on a section called TUG School, where we walk through all of all of the economics.
2: Well, tell me more about the promoter. Uh, could that be just someone who loves the film and they want to champion it on their uh, Twitter and Facebook page? And st- or what?
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So sometimes and oftentimes we'll find that filmmakers, through their own direct community, will promote uh, a segment of events. Uh, but, but what we also always encourage filmmakers to think about is who in your community doesn't just want to buy tickets, but would really love to share and evangelize around your event on your behalf. And that's the mentality of a promoter. And what Tug does in this regard, is it gives you the tools to collaborate with those people or those groups, and to do so in a way where they're incentivized. So if you're a documentary filmmaker, uh, there's a film called Touch the Wall, which was one of our most successful films last year. Incredible filmmaking team. Uh, and I would also encourage you to do a show just on them because they, they really have set the bar high uh, in terms of exemplifying entrepreneurial mindsets and, and, and you know, the type of outreach that, uh, that we always talk about. They, this is a film about an Olympic swimmer named Missy Franklin and a film that documents her journey to become a, a champion and Olympian. And in this case, they knew, all right, there's the X amount of people that they had through their direct community, but then they thought, all right, how can we collaborate with swim organizations, with swim teams around the country? And then they did just that, and they created a system and a, and a, and a campaign where swim coaches could promote events, and not just for the sake of, of, of the love of the film and the love of the subject, but they were also to use, able to use these events as fundraisers to drive success for their local issues, for their local needs and wants. And as a result of that campaign and being able to approach swim coaches with that value proposition, they've now had over 500 events around the country. And after all of those events, they get every email address from every ticket buyer and every promoter because Tug provides that transparency to its filmmaking partners. And then now when they go to do their home video and VOD release, they're going not just with the financial success that they generated from, from all of these events, but Having expanded their community even more, and then to be able to help migrate that community into these other ancillary you know buying experiences uh, so that's that 's a great example of tug as a collaboration tool for filmmakers to be able to offer something to a, a promoting base that they wouldn't have been able to if they just had put the film in, in a theater for two weeks, and then you know, tried to blast as many different places in that community to compel people to show up. In this case, they gave these communities the power of choice of when and where, and then also gave them other value propositions, fundraising, Q&As, other things that made it that much more important for them to promote and ultimately that much more meaningful for their community to attend.
2: Oh, this is incredible. So, all right. In other words, some of the swim coaches may have taken on the challenge and become a sponsor, as you mentioned earlier. That was the right word, right? Sponsor? Well, fact- it's
0: a sponsor, but not through financial sponsorship, through their social capital.
2: Through social so capital. in these
0: cases, these are swim teams that didn't necessarily have the money to buy an auditorium, but they had the, the, the influence to be able to share that event page and get hundreds of people to buy tickets. And then as a result of that, they made money themselves you know, through the promoter margin as well as through our fundraising tools. Uh, they, you know, we've had cases where Girl Scout troops have raised over $5,000 at a single event uh, on top of the money generated for the filmmakers. So it's uh, – yeah, but exactly right. It's sponsorship, but through social capital versus economic capital.
2: Social capital is the way to go. Okay, so here we go. Let me, when you say that they do the fundraising for local needs, in other words, the filmmakers are willing to give people um, who fill the theaters the right to discuss or ask for money for their own local needs?
0: The filmmakers you know, have the, the right to say that they will or won't allow that feature to exist for their film. And if they do, then, yes, communities are able to use our fundraising feature on the site that then at the point of checkout enables ticket buyers the opportunity to give more for something. It could be a, a product in return, uh, or it could be you know, simply you know, an offering, a donation uh, to a, a cause. Um, so we've had you know, cases where, for instance, Unbranded, which is a film about um, protecting wild horses, uh, where over on one night there was over ten thousand dollars raised for a um, wildlife uh, mustang organization and uh, and so that was that was nurtured by and compelled by the filmmaking team in that case but regardless of the the specifics the, our system and our technology enables that to be to be possible and then the filmmakers you know are allowed to turn that on or off for their film and if they turn it on, then it does enable them to offer something to uh, different interest bases that obviously one couldn't offer if you were, again, selling tickets on Fandango or movie tickets or other traditional points of sale where the process is much more about buy this ticket versus, you know, being able to collaborate with organizations in this way.
2: love this, Nicholas. Great. Thank you very much. I was just saying that some – of these films that are sponsored through From the Heart can really benefit this through this because some are basic, uh need or have a strong Jewish community, and of course this, the Jewish communities are always raising funds for their other projects. This mm-hmm. really expands it in a lateral function that would allow filmmakers to get. The product they're making with all this heartfelt energy seen by hundreds of thousands of more people than they would through a normal distribution, which they probably would make no money on a theatrical distribution or very little, they would make money, they would serve their audiences, and they would allow other people interested in the same or closely related projects to also get funded. And then they end up with the prize, which is all of the names. Exactly right.
0: Exactly right. And I can't stress enough the importance of building an email list as a filmmaker, not just for your particular film that you're you're focused on at, at any given point in time, but also for you as a filmmaker going forward because social media advertising is only going to become more and more expensive. Uh, you know, At this point now, one post probably reaches less than 15% of your audience uh, at best, and, and we know that's becoming has become a, very much a pay-to-play environment. However, your email bank, your database of email addresses, that is the most potent way to communicate um, you know, in mass. And, and, uh, and so being able to think of and setting goals of how to grow that uh, not just for the sake of numbers, but meaningful engagement. Uh, you know that 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 is ultimately going to be you know the best muscle, um, you know, in the anatomy for a filmmaker in terms of marketing.
2: Absolutely right. Well, <clears throat> let's go down another road. Oh, I wanted to about talk about filmmakers who uh, th- can they Skype into screenings? Let's say they set some, something up in San Antonio or some small town. Are they able to Skype into some of those screenings and talk to and answer questions?
0: You know, that, that depends on, on the movie theater. And, and a lo- you know, at this point, a lot of movie theaters don't have that capability. I think that in the coming years, we're going to see that type of experience grow more and more, as it has in other, other parts of the world, in the U.K. and elsewhere. Uh, however, right now, I would say that that, that is, is the, the majority of theaters are, are not equipped for that type of experience however in the meantime I you know filmmakers could still think of other ways where ticket buyers could get a code and then as we're having that code they can access uh, a Q&;A um, you know the day after or the day before um, there's different ways to be able to uh, to do that also on, on tug as a, as a result of essentially owning this showtime. You also own the pre-show time, so you can have uh, messages for that community that we put on the DCP, or you can have a Q&A that you've done at a festival or somewhere else and and have that available after the credits. Uh, There's many different ways to be creative with the experience, um, but to answer your question specifically, uh, Skype is is something that, or live projection into the theater is something that at this point uh, is still a pretty difficult process for most theaters.
2: Okay, but this physically being there for, let's say, a filmmaker in California, they could uh, drive up and down the state and have a lot of screenings and be available for Q&A and um, also uh, sell whatever products they have that would bring them more money beyond the screening. So do you have any uh, examples of people who are using – the, the theatrical screenings this way.
0: Sure. So, and, and, and also just to add on to something you said, it's, it's not just where the filmmaker can be present, but where other people that can represent the film could be present, right? Because there's only so many places and a relatively limited number that the, that the filmmaker could go. But again, depending on the subject of the film, if there's other people that can act as spokespeople for the film and then be there to host a QA and a or a discussion, uh, then that, that's that's a way to massively expand that footprint, and having that live presence, that in real life presence, is something that we find does make an event much more successful in terms of ticket sales, um, you know, and and ultimately you know the surveys after where people express their their enthusiasm for the film. So not just about where you can be, but where where collaborators of yours can be, or affiliates of yours can be, uh, and then in terms of the you know the the other you know um, products that can be sold, that, that's something that, that we are very excited about. And uh, this year, you're going to see a lot more from Tug in terms of ways that, that we help nurture more commerce within the ticket buying process. So at the point of buying the ticket, being able to, to increase the, the, the amount of revenue that a filmmaker will see, um, having that direct interaction with that ticket buyer. Uh, right now we do have features that enable you to sell whatever it is that you have to sell, whether that's a poster, T-shirt, uh, pre-ordering home video, or selling physical DVDs, whatever it is. The same technology that I was describing for fundraising and how you can offer those organizations to fundraise, you can use that same technology to sell products. And so at the point of checkout, people have the option to pay more in order to get more of whatever it is that you're selling. Uh, in so terms of,
2: what, what do you oh, Uh, Would this be a place where they could also put bonus material, uh, that they could get uh, a DVD with bonus material? So maybe they're already going to see the film in the theater, but they could get a DVD that had, uh, for example, in a a documentary, uh, more uh, more of interviews or more information that would enhance the, the film.
0: That's exactly right. Yeah, that, that's the, the beauty of it is, is we're providing the, the, the technology to support what we're always surprised of how, how it's being used. And so, you know, whether it is selling a traditional product or if it is uh, something as you're describing that would be more innovative and being able to unlock other content, uh, that's, that's um, exactly why we built it is to be surprised, you know, by how it's, how it's used and, and all of the above are great ways to use it.
2: Right. Um, this sounds exactly what is needed, because I think filmmakers have uh, a lot more to sell than just the film, Because, particularly going to documentaries where they interview people who are specialists in that field. The audience who's interested in the field of the documentary will pay more to get that full interview with some professional who's talking about an issue they're interested in. And it's uh, utilizing that as a bonus material, I think, that can bring them double the income.
0: I, I could not agree more. And I think that it's that mentality that is definitely a staple of uh so many of the great filmmakers that we have worked with and and that we hope to work with more is, is thinking as entrepreneurs not just thinking as a manufacturer but thinking as the ceo of your organization and uh and just no matter what your distribution plan will be whether it involves traditional distribution or hybrid distribution or fully independent distribution that mindset will always serve the filmmaker so greatly. And, and ultimately, there always are nowadays rights that even in a, in a traditional distribution deal, there's, there's several categories of rights that won't be exploited. And, and with an entrepreneurial mindset, filmmakers you know, can generate so much more commerce, so much more economy around their film if they have that mindset of looking for value and nurturing value uh, wherever sure. that exists.
2: Exactly. Well, t- talking uh, about that, um, the commerce around the film, <clears throat> um, let me ask you, you uh, um, I noticed uh, that you have um, a wonderful university screening service. I was wondering, could you tell us about that?
0: Sure. Well, we are, this year, uh, going to be speaking a lot more about that product and that, that service that, that we've been building Uh, At this point, I can can say that we've studied for a while now how best to interact with the educational community, starting first and foremost with what do they want, what do educators want, what do students want out of technology that supports their viewing experience of content and whatever type of content that is, if that's short form, long form, uh, traditional narratives, docs, whatever that is. Uh, and so we've, we've, we've rolled up our sleeves and, and have been studying that and developing technology for quite some time now. And over the next few months, we'll be, uh, we'll be announcing and, and, and rolling out more and more of, of, of this pilot kind of beta version. Uh, we are inviting filmmakers to be a part of this process, and they can uh, reach out to us uh, at um, edu at tuginc.com uh that's E D U like education at Tug Inc T U G G I N C com uh and, and start a discussion about your film and, and whether or not it's uh relevant to the type of, of service that we're offering. Uh however, in short, what we're doing is we we're building a streaming service that enables educators to have an abundance of features and resources that they've been looking for in order to more effectively utilize content in their coursework. And I uh, know that's, that's pretty vague and high-level right now, uh, but you'll see progressively over the coming months uh, a rollout of these features. And, um, and from our perspective and from the educators that we've been working with, it's uh, been something that they've really been needing and wanting, and hopefully as a result of us building it, it's going to enable much more interaction between filmmakers and educational communities. Uh, and it's something where we see an enormous opportunity that, that has obviously – you know, you, you look back 10, 15 years ago, the educational market was, was quite robust. And then obviously with the, the, um, you know, the emergence of, of iTunes and Netflix and other, other ways where educators and students were much more easily and rapidly able to access content, that market has collapsed quite a bit. But we, uh, we find that now after studying the needs and wants of that community, there's still a big void in terms of what isn't, isn't being offered to them. Uh, and, and, and we expect that this market will only continue to, to grow and there'll be a renaissance of educational sales, um, you know, not just here in America, but, but beyond. So it's which is obviously a, a very important thing for, for filmmakers, especially documentary filmmakers uh, who have suffered a great loss as a result of the educational market having experienced that collapse. So we're, we're committed to being a part of, of the rebuilding of that market uh, and are, are, are confident that, that the elements are there to do so.
2: Oh, I'm sure they are. This is brilliant. Now, for example, what if a filmmaker made a film four or five years ago and uh, they have gotten their rights back and they have it and the film is still timely? Would you be interested in things that are not just being finished but have been made years before?
0: Oh, m- Most definitely, and, and we're thinking not just about films individually but ways to create collections and bundles of films around certain subjects. Uh, And then through our technology, filmmakers will be able to create clips of a full feature. And oftentimes we find that's what educators are wanting. If they don't have enough time to show a full feature, but they're able to create five, 10, 15 minute clips or 10, 15 second clips, whatever it is around a specific subject matter. And then that's tied to uh, a discussion guide or uh, a different type of of, uh, supplemental material. It's, it's all, all of, all of those, all of those different concepts uh, enable an educator to think about engaging with the film differently. And so, no matter how old your film is or, or where it's at in its life cycle, uh, you know, we we definitely encourage you to reach out, and, and and we'll give you our opinion on on if we feel we could bring value to to you know that outreach to the educational community.
2: Oh, that's marvelous! You're just going to resurrect all these great films that just didn't get seen. And uh, are sitting on shelves and are so very important. Well done. Oh. Now, I think that's well, Thank going you, we to hope
0: so. Really,
2: that may be the tail that wags the dog, Nick. That may be <laughs> golf so well all over the world.
0: Um, oh, that's nice of you to say.
2: Oh, I think that'll be marvelous uh, because heretofore, I, uh, what's happened from my my conversations with filmmakers is that the. Distributors who are lovely people will come along and say, "Oh, I really want your film. It has a lot of uh, educational opportunities." And they take it and they put it in a catalog, and that's where it sits. And the distributors mail the catalogs out, and if it doesn't get uh, picked up or sold, that's all they do. And and then people would be so disheartened because they had spent two or three years of their life building this film. And it's not being seen. So this revolutionizes that whole market. And I'm sure that with the research, this is the best word (coughs) of the whole conversation. I'm so glad you are researching from the ground up to tell us what will work. You must have a team of really intelligent, creative people who are building this. Tell us about that.
0: Oh, I you hit the nail on the head. None of this would have been possible uh, without the extraordinary team that, that is Tug. And uh, starting with my co-founder uh, all the way through uh, so many of our teammates who are, are still with us from, from day one and so many new two teammates that have joined along the way. Uh, but the common denominator amongst everybody at Tug is they believe in, in the power of movies, uh, a very diverse taste of, of what movies they like and together it is a community of people that really see an opportunity to be a part of uh, a, a, a new wave of constructive thinking and building to be able to serve filmmakers and audiences and uh and i think that you know while of course being a startup and, and focusing on movie theaters and focusing on new constructs of 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 experiencing you know films and different forms of content it's it's never uh an easy battle, but as, uh, as, as we were talking about before, if you're doing what you love, while it definitely is work and many days will feel like it, ultimately, you know, it, you know time goes by and, and, and goes by in, in wonderful ways uh, when, when we're focusing on problems that we feel are worthwhile and working with filmmakers that inspire us. And that's what I think is uh, so great about where we are right now at, at Tug is, is the opportunity to, to learn constantly from the filmmakers that we're working with from the, from the theaters, uh, from the distributors, uh, and, and a day doesn't go by where we don't feel as though we're, we're getting better, you know, as a result of, of those experiences and how we can apply them to the next day.
2: Oh, it's wonderful. Well, um, but tell us how people can reach you, please.
0: Sure. Well, first and foremost, you can go to our website, tugtugg.com and on Tug, you'll see uh, all of our different social channels, so, whichever is your preferred method of communicating, uh, there's a way to do so uh, via that site. Uh, we uh, are at, at Tug Inc, so at T U G G I N C on Twitter. Uh, so, feel free to tweet at us, and, and uh, we're, we're usually very quick to reply. Uh, and as I mentioned, um, if you're interested in our educational product, uh, you can reach us at edu at tuginc.com. Uh, But no matter what, if you engage with us on any channel, we'll direct you to the right place and and, uh, start a discussion on uh, ways that that we can bring value to your uh, endeavor if, if in fact, we can. But uh, please do reach out, and and we hope to uh, hear from you and and learn about your your goals and and ways Tug Tug can, can serve them.
2: Well, thank you so much. And Nick, I understand you now have an LA office. Tell us about that.
0: We do. We opened up our, our LA office uh, a few months ago. We're in downtown LA, and uh, we hope to be having more events throughout the year to be able to meet uh, more of the LA filmmaking community. So uh, please reach out to us uh, on, on the Carol site. There's going to be a sign up form for a newsletter as well as a link to TUG School, where, where as I mentioned, there's lots of information on best practices surrounding TUG. Uh, And so please do sign up for that, and we'll keep you posted on different things that we have going around uh, L.A. and elsewhere and and hope to to meet you all in person.
2: Well, that'll be wonderful. I look forward to that. We want to know because we want to uh, spread the word when you have those events. This is so important to get filmmakers together because of the information they carry, and you're one of the few companies that is really paying attention to their needs. Well, thank you. thank
0: you for saying that. We we uh, we definitely attempt to every day, and and I think that that's another trend of of so many people at TUG is, is they truly love filmmakers and 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 the journey that they're on. So it's uh, it's second nature to to most, if not all, of us here to uh, really enjoy that dialogue.
2: Thank you so much for this interview and for the information that you shared. We we sincerely appreciate your time and for the efforts you're making to improve the financial stability of filmmakers everywhere.
0: Oh, Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it, Carol and Claire, and all of your listeners for for having me on this morning.
2: Okay. Thank you so much. Good luck to you and your crew. Thank you. Okay. Take good
1: care, Uh, Nick. Thanks, Carol. Be well, everyone. and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From The Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's davidraiklin.com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. Please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.